What's up, Spellsingers? My name is Gary and John Wells, and this is another episode of Untap Upkeep Drink, the decidedly casual Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things magic while drinking some delicious brews. Today, we're going to be doing another mini-sode. Uh, we're going to get some quick information because following along with our Commander series, 2012 was kind of a lazy year. As always, I've got Drew Flitten with me. Hey, guys. What's wrong with this set? Why were we so short? So the reason why we're just doing a mini shot on this one rather than doing a full review is because they didn't actually print a lot of cards. It's not like these are full decks. Um, it was kind of a supplementary product because they didn't really know what the success of Commander was going to be like. They did 2011, and they were just blown away by its actual success. People really liked the decks. They liked the Commanders, and so they needed to be able to continue on with the Commander. But because I don't think they planned that far ahead, um, they didn't produce a full product. Instead, what we got was a bunch of reprints, that are kind of commander staples or close to that. Uh, but a lot of it was just like, hey, these are cool cards for commander. Uh, let's just and some of them are really good, uh, but we'll get into it. Some of them aren't quite as good. Right. So as I mentioned, Arsenal was a supplementary product for commander uh, for 2012, and it was released late in the year. They've been pushing the commander releases earlier and earlier. So it was in November of 2012, um, and it was... Like it's released because of the surprising overwhelming success that uh, the original Commander product had. It was just super popular, and so people just, they wanted more, but Wizards wasn't really prepared for it by the, by the looks of it. So first thing I'm going to mention here was the original retail price on it was uh, $74.99, so 75 bucks for these cards. And Good God. Yeah, it's, it's a lot for, relatively speaking, like 20 actual playable cards, and that's not great. Well, and the decks themselves before were only 35 to 40, right? Yeah, they should have been around there for, for 2011. So already this massive price hike between actual decks and just a few playable cards. You're giving us a smaller product and three times the price, two times the price. Yeah. Um, so the reason why we say there's only about 20 playable cards is because they have these oversized, quote-unquote, commanders. Um, if you've bought any of the newer commander deck boxes, they come with one of those in addition to your commander. So you've probably seen them. Yeah, they've got, I mean, they're like, Postcard. Three by five postcard yeah. size, yeah. They're huge. Um, they're cool looking. Yeah, they definitely are, and they definitely showcase the the art very well. Yeah. But they're not great because you can't use them in, in your deck. So back when this was printed, the tuck rule hadn't been enforced. So when your commander was tucked by other effects like Chaos Warp, which we'll get to, then you can't really tuck an oversized card into your deck because it's obviously going to be showing. So that means you have to have some sort of proxy or something else, or actually just buy the actual card in order to use it. Right, if you're familiar with Commander now, if your Commander is shuffled into your library, you can choose to still put it into the command zone. But in 2012, when this was created, that was not the rule. If it was shuffled to your library, it actually went into your library. And if you have an oversized card, oversized card... You have a marked card, basically, in your deck. That's very obvious. <laughs> a little bit more than a marked card. Yeah. It's um, not good. So we're just going to blow through these real quick. Uh, if you're watching the YouTube video, you'll see them, but we're not going to read out all of the details on these just because we want to get to the stuff that's actually relevant. Yeah. So we've got Sliver Queen, Karthus, Tyrant of Jund, Mael the Anima, Xur the Enchanter, Grimgrin, Corpseborn, Brian Stoutarm, Glissa the Traitor, Godo Bandit Warlord, Azusa Lost but Seeking, and Karn Silvergold. Now some of these have been printed for the first time in Modern Border, which they kind of tried to make a big deal about just because like Karn and Sliver Queen were never printed in the modern border. And it would have been a big deal 
had they not been oversized. Yeah. Yeah. So if we could of, get an actual copy to put in a real deck, uh, this could have been real strong. Yeah, this would have been insane. Um, something like Azusa as well, like just a really strong card in general. Right. And something to note, like even though we say these oversized commanders were kind of giving them flack because they are oversized, these are all really strong cards. So they were great as commanders. It's just the form that makes them unusable. All right. So let's get to your premium playables, cards that we actually want, cards that we care about. Um, first one we have, Chaos Warp. Still a staple. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's premium removal in red. It's just such a very good card. So it's two in a red for an instant. The owner of target permanent shuffles it into their library, then reveals the top card of their library. If it's a permanent card, they put it onto the battlefield. So this is exactly why our oversized cards are shit. Yeah, it's, the, the tuck rule was not enforced. The tuck rule came in 2015, so this is a huge problem. People uh, would always have this in a deck that had red so that they could bury the most efficient card in your Yeah, you build a deck. card, you build a deck around a card, and you have access to that card. So this was just, hey, let's... It's assumed you need that card. Yeah, yeah, so let's just take it away from you. So this card was just insane, so strong. It's still strong, but yeah, it's, it's especially still then. Good. Have you ever seen Chaos Warp flip the same card? Yes. Yeah, I had it flip <laughs> once. Uh, Which, I mean, it's still funny. Yeah, I tucked I like it. it. I'm pretty sure I tucked a Shieldred. That's a probably good Shieldred card. Shieldred back out. She's a bitch. Yeah. All right, so next card we have is Command Tower. <laughs> it is the best land in Commander, period. Just great. Uh, it's a land, obviously. You tap it, add one mana of any color in your commander's color identity. No taps, no life gain or loss, just any color you need. Yep. And the next one we got is Desertion. It's three blue-blue for an instant. Counter target spell. If an artifact or creature spell is countered this way, put that card onto the battlefield under your control instead of into its owner's graveyard. I really like this card. I think it's cool. It's very costly for a counter spell, but it's also... Counterspell plus mind control, which that's a pretty damn good card. Yeah, I think this one's situational. You got to kind of hold up mana for it, but it is badass when you pull it off. If nothing else, it is just a counterspell, which if you're holding up mana, you want to counter something, you want to be able to get value off of it, you're going to do it. Yeah. The next one we have is another one that's a very good important reprint just because it was only printed in Portal of Three Kingdoms, which had a very limited English print run. So being able to put this one here in the Commander Arsenal gave access to a lot of other people for a card that they wouldn't have had access to otherwise. So Dao Chan... Artful Beauty is three and a red for a legendary creature, Human Advisor. She's a 1-1. She has tap, destroy target creature of your choice, then destroy target creature of an opponent's choice. Activate this ability only during your turn before attackers are declared. So basically says, I'm going to blow up something of yours, and you get to blow up something of your choice. And if Dauchan is your only creature, or if all your creatures have protection, such as, I don't know, you gave them Swiftfoot Boots, which you're probably playing because this is Commander, then you don't have any legal targets, which means that they've got to blow up something of someone else's. It could just be sort of a chaos-style play, too, where you're just like, you know what? Fuck it, we're going in. I think that's exactly what it's all about. Another one on this list is Dragon Lair Spider. It's two red, red, green, green. So six total mana for a creature spider. He's a 5-6 with reach. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, create a 1-1 insect creature token. So this one isn't bad. Like Realistically, it's a fairly strong card. It's a Mana Gorger Hydra effect has massive token generation. People yeah. aren't just going to not cast spells. And if they are, they're probably going to cast it on your creature if they're doing removal. But you're still going to get something regardless. Like You're always going to be able to get that insect token even if they destroy it. Whereas Mana Gorger Hydra puts the tokens or the counters on the creature and if it's destroyed, those go away. So it's kind of has a, a protection-esque effect on itself. Yeah. Another one we got here is Decree of Pain. I really like this one. It's six black black for a sorcery. Destroy all creatures. They can't be regenerated. 
Draw a card for each creature destroyed this way. It also has cycling for three black black. So when you cycle it, you pay the mana cost and you discard this card to draw a card. And when you cycle Decree of Pain, all creatures get minus two, minus two until the end of turn. This is one of my favorite board wipes. In effect, it could be a board wipe either way. Yeah. If there's a bunch of little creatures out, tokens or whatever, you just need to cycle this away because you don't have eight mana. Five mana is enough. Get yourself a draw. Get that board wipe down. Yeah, you still get a card. You still get probably a, a good amount of uh, creatures killed. Yeah, the other thing is that cycling happens at instant speed. So you can cycle this on your opponent's turn, after combat, any of those situations where you need to be able to just get rid of creatures that have already taken damage. Right after Krenko just went off. When Krenko attacks. Right. Yeah, after he's uh, cranked a few times and he's ready to go, he's just, sorry, I've got a decree to make, my friend. See, the problem with that is that if Krenko goes too far, you're going to mill yourself out. With this? Yeah. You draw a card for each creature destroyed. No, 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 no. I'm talking about if you cycle it. Oh, yeah, if you if cycle it. If we're talking it. instant speed... Yeah, you just wait till he's ready to go, and then you say, oh, I'm gonna, I'm actually going to cycle this card, sorry. Yeah. All right, next one we have is Duplicant. It has six mana cost, artifact creature, it's a 2-4, it's a shapeshifter, has imprint, when Duplicant enters the battlefield, you may exile target non-token creature. So already it has removal on it, but also has, as long as a card exiled with Duplicant is a creature card, Duplicant has the power, toughness, and creature types of the last creature exiled with Duplicant, and it's still a shapeshifter. That's pretty cool. So it's six mana, colorless removal. Yeah. That also allows you to have a creature that can swing. But yeah, I mean, with removal and a little bit, in essence, a little bit of pump, that's pretty, especially at colorless, that's a pretty good value. Yeah, it's definitely a card that has utility in virtually any deck. It's not the most insane card out there, but it's also just going to be playable. Up next, we've got a good Simic staple. We've got Edric, Spymaster of Trest. It's one green and a blue for a legendary creature elf rogue. He's a 2-2, and it says whenever a creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents, its controller may draw a card. Right, so this card is really good. Just throw unblockable creatures at people. You're going to get your draw. It also just tells your opponents, hey, if you help me out, attack someone else, you're going to get benefits off of it. Yeah, it's just that extra incentive to keep damage away from yourself. The next one we have on the list is Kali of the Vast. We, we saw know her. her. Yeah, we saw her in the 2011 list. She also got reprinted in the Commander Anthologies. She's also just a crazy good commander. Like, people loved Kalia from the first printing. And then I saw that and said, well, we didn't print enough of her. We gotta kind of get this product out there, get other people this card. So the reason why Kalia's so good is she has this ability. Whenever Kalia of the Vast attacks an opponent, you may put an angel, demon, or dragon creature from your hand on the battlefield tapped and attacking that opponent. That's just super strong. You put her down on turn four if you're able to give her haste or something. You're able to swing out, put down angel, demon, dragon, whatever you want. Just go to town. Next up, we've got Loyal Retainers. It's two and a white for a 1-1 creature human advisor. Sacrifice Loyal Retainers. Return target legendary creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate this ability only during your turn before attackers are declared. So this is another uh, P3K card. It is only seen print in Port of Three Kingdoms and in the Commander's Arsenal. So this card is just super valuable. Uh, we know that some of the most powerful cards in Commander are legendary creatures. Yeah. So having the ability to do a reanimation type effect is going to be huge in this set, in this sort of format. All right, the next one we got is Big Boy. We've got Maelstrom Wander. It's five blue, red, green. Legendary creature elemental for a seven, five. Creatures you control have haste, already strong in teamer colors. Then also has Cascade, Cascade. So when you cast this spell, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non-land card that costs less, which it costs eight. So that's going to be most of your deck. 
You may cast it without paying its mana cost. Put the exiled cards on the bottom of your library in a random order. Then do it again. Next up, we've got Mind's Eye. Uh, colorless artifact. So it's five for an artifact. Whenever an opponent draws a card, you may pay one if you do draw a card. This is a colorless bad version of Rhystic Studies. But because it's colorless, that's why it's important. Yeah, because now you can toss this in any deck, especially your reds and things like that that don't have some natural card draw. Right. And I say it's a Rhystic Studies. It's a similar effect in that you don't have to do that much in order to gain value off of it. Uh, your opponents are always going to be drawing cards. Every turn, they're going to draw a card. So you, if you're playing a four-player game, you can potentially just have three mana sitting aside and you draw an extra three cards. Yeah, if you knew that you could draw a card for one mana and you'd get it every single player's turn, that's good value. Um, next card we have is Marari's Wake. Uh, it was just reprinted in the 2017 Commander set, so relevant card for people. It costs three green, white for enchantment. Creatures you control have plus one, plus one. So nice little anthem effect. Whenever you tap a land for mana, add one mana your mana pool of any type that land produced. Sick. Like mana doubler. It's just for five mana, it's an anthem and a mana doubler. This card's insane. Up next, we know this guy. We've got the Mimeoplasm. He was reprinted in this set. So it's two and Sultai. So two black, green, blue for a zero, zero legendary creature ooze. As the Mimeoplasm enters the battlefield, you may exile two creature cards from graveyards. If you do, it enters the battlefield as a copy of one of those cards with a number of additional plus one, plus one counters on it equal to the power of the other card. All right, so it's targeted grave hate if you want, or it's just, I'm going to mill myself, puts a bunch of fatties in the bin, and just have a commander that I can just swing with. It's a decent card. It's not exceptional, but it's definitely playable. His artwork's really cool, so we like him. Next, we've got Rhystic Study itself. Two and a blue for enchantment. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, you may draw a card unless that player pays one. So it's a taxation effect on their spells if they don't want you to draw. Every spell they cast costs one more if they're going to try and slow you down. And so this this card is just very good. It's going to be a blue stable forever, basically, until for some reason they ban it, which I don't think they ever will. No. So the next card on our list is Scroll Wreck. It's two mana for an artifact. has an ability one and tap it. Exile any number of cards from your hand face down. Put that many cards from the top of your library into your hand. Then look at the exiled cards. Put them on top of your library in any order. Next. So this is just premium card selection. And it's at instant speed for one mana. Which means that if you need to answer something, you can just put your hand away to try and get something in the next seven cards or whatever you have. Next up, we've got another staple, Sylvan Library. It's one in a green for an enchantment. At the beginning of your draw step, you may draw two additional cards. If you do, choose two cards in your hand drawn this turn. For each of those cards, pay four life or put the card on top of your library. Right, so this has a lot of rules clarification necessary for a lot of people to understand it. Um, I'll try and do a quick overview on it. Um, This card and miracles are the reason why if you ever see a pro player draw a card, they don't put it into their hand immediately because if they need to, they need to pay an effect or have a reduced cost because of miracle, then these effects... Uh, need you to have your hand separate from the cards that you draw. So you draw three cards, and then you decide of those three, what do you want to keep? Right, because you're drawing two additional cards. You're getting your regular draw plus two. Right, and so this card is so good just because you're drawing three cards, and you can pay life. In Commander, you have 40 life. So this effect, like you pay four life for an extra card, that's not that big of a deal. Yeah, even just the ability to know what's on the top of your deck is a strong ability, but to be able to choose to accelerate that and get it into your hand, that's important. Right, and again, if you have any shuffle effects or something like Sensei's Divining Top or some way to mess around with the top of your library or just to shuffle things away, like it gives you such good card selection. And a card this strong is just unmatched in green, especially for only two mana. Up next, we've got Vela the Nightclad. You want to read that? 
Yeah, she's four blue black for legendary creature, human wizard. She was just reprinted in the wizard deck recently. She has intimidate. Other creatures you control have intimidate. And whenever Vela the Nightclad or another creature you control leaves the battlefield, each opponent loses one life. So intimidate means she can't be blocked except by artifact creatures and or creatures that share a color with it. So now you're giving that to every creature that you control. That's a big deal. Right. That's actually not even the effect I care about on this card. The, the effect that I care about is just whenever Vela or another creature you control leaves the battlefield, each opponent loses one life. So that's leave the battlefield for any reason, whether you're flickering them, blinking them, bouncing them. Doing any of those Sacking shenanigans, them. whether you sack them, but they get exiled. It's a blood artist type effect just for creatures leaving the battlefield. So those are all of your premium playable cards. We're going to have a discussion here about whether or not this was a good product. So first thing we want to look at is whether or not these cards were needed as reprints, whether or not they're going to be successful in Commander, or if they were just kind of cards that are kind of meh. Like the Mimeoplasm kind of my example here. It's not the strongest of cards. It was printed and it's just not the card that I would say, oh, we need another copy of that card. Yeah, it was probably added because of the popularity of 2011 and the fact that it was getting to be hard to obtain. And so then they thought, okay, people thought that was interesting. Let's give them another copy. Strength-wise, eh. Yeah, I think that for the most part, the cards that they reprinted, I mean, like Sylvan Library, Scroll Rack, Ristic Study, Chaos Warp, Decree of Pain, Command Tower, like these are all staples that people want to play in their decks. These Absolutely. are just cards that are going to be good. They're going to get you value. They're going to help you win the game. But if you're going to grade this product as a good product, the problem then is you have to weigh the actual value of the product versus the price of the product and whether or not uh, it actually took off. Was it successful? So it's expensive. Yeah, so the MSRP on this was about 75 bucks, as we said. That's not nothing. That's a significant chunk. And this was, again, like the 2011, it wasn't printed as largely as it should have been. Like this was a, a limited print run. And so a lot of stores just started marking it up from the get-go. They knew that people are going to want these cards. A lot of the cards that they reprinted had these new modern frames. So people just didn't want white border, just didn't want the old border. And so they wanted these new cards in this frame. So people are just jacking up the prices. And some of the people that were buying these cards were buying them up to four times, probably more, of what the retail was. That's insane. That's $300 for this product. I mean, I can't even imagine buying a complete 100-card pre-constructed deck at 75, let alone at, at above that. So to get only 20, what do we say, 22, 23 playable? I mean, they're strong cards. Don't get me wrong. The value of those cards was probably significantly more than any random card in a, in a commander deck, but still. Yeah. The other problem that I have with this is those oversized commanders. Yeah. Because a lot of them, I'd want to just play in a deck. I don't want them to be the commander themselves. Another thing to look at that's actually pretty important is that all of the playable cards are foiled. Which is cool. But yeah, it looks great. And that may have been a selling point originally. But anybody who's owned a few foil cards knows. Yeah, they start to curve pretty, pretty bad. Especially with yep. some of the older foilings. Some of them started to curve really quickly. There's kind of a, a weird grading on curves from different years. Yeah, I've seen some that are really bad. Like, it looks like they wrapped it around a cup or something. You yeah. know, like, not just a noticeable bend, but like an unmistakable bend in the card. Which, A, loses value and, and looks bad. But, B, if it gets bad enough, it can become a marked card in your deck. Which then, again, <laughs> makes it unplayable. So you run into a lot of problems with those foils. I really like the look of the foils, but maybe save those for your binders. Uh, don't throw them in your decks. Okay, so 
kind of one of the things we have to look at here is whether or not we can actually compare this to previous sets, which we only had 2011 at the time, and just the sets of the day and whether or not it's comparable power-wise for what people are going to be putting in their decks. I think clearly by the fact that they were marked up so heavily, there was obviously a power difference in the cards because people would not have paid for this set if it were otherwise. But whether or not it was worth that markup and that price... Um, I guess that's to the eye of the beholder. Yeah, I mean, I they still sold several boxes of this. So, several, yes. Several. So they did pretty well. I mean, some of the cards really are, partly because they were reprints from really rare sets, they were very important, hard-to-obtain cards. Um, so if you really needed them, this probably was the only way to get to them. Yeah, I don't agree with that. So we're going to look back on the set and we're going to say that, yes, there are cards to remember. There are staples, obviously. We've got Chaos Warp. We've got Rhystic Study. We've got Sylvan Library. These cards are going to be staples forever in Commander. They're just good cards that are basically irreplaceable in their colors. Yeah. That, I think, is another reason why this product looked so... Enticing? No, no. Off-putting to me was because some of these cards are very specific to a color or play style or both. And so then you're looking at, okay, I got to pay $75 at a freaking minimum to get all of these cards when maybe I only want three or four of them, right? Maybe those are the three or four I need for this deck or a couple of my decks. Maybe I don't need a Chaos Warp. Maybe I never play red. So then you have to look at not only is it kind of expensive, but you, I mean, they're really good cards. So you probably would build around all of them, but maybe not. You know what I mean? So that's just another hurdle they had to jump because you're not giving them a deck to use it in you're saying these are products you could use in decks you may already have right so wizards are trying to compete with the secondary market with this product rather than people just buying singles they'd have to buy this product that was the idea and if we look at the top four this is drew's top four we've got scroll rack rhystic study mirari's wake and sylvan library at the lowest prices we can find on scryfall today it's going to cost about a hundred dollars for those four cards now, so even just for those four cards you're saving 25 bucks assuming the prices haven't changed that much in six years which obviously they have but if we can just use those four cards as a comparison, then you're going to be saving about 25 bucks if you get this at the lowest rate that it possibly can go. Which, as we said, was not easy to do. No. And if you're looking at what it's costing today, it's costing about 300 plus. So the four times markup from the old days is still accurate. So if you were able to get this for the price that it was suggested at, then you were getting a massive deal on this product. So in regards to price, this was a steal. All right, Gary, time to evaluate. Was this a successful product? Was it worth it? Should people be interested in it? Should Wizards do it again? No. Yes and no. So I think because we have such, because of the nature of these past reviews, Hindsight's 2020, we know this was a successful product. It would have never taken off in the price if it wasn't. People wanted it and so they knew they could charge for it. So, you know, that economy kind of juggle there just tells you it was a success. Should they do it again? In my personal preference, no. I don't, I, I, unless they have... If they were to do this again, in my opinion, they need to be able to do it in a better fashion. They need to be able yes. to advertise it better. They need to be able to print more of it. They need to realize what the major shortcomings of that package as a whole was. No oversized cards, or if they're oversized, they are in addition to the regular printings of said cards. Um, yeah, make sure foils. that any cards that they print are usable. So balancing that as an entire product, I think, was the biggest issue. They had some valuable cards. If they wanted to reprint some cards that they knew were rare or that had an extremely high uh, MSRP, if you were going to buy them as singles, things like Cyclonic Rift, these things could use a Commander reprint 
and I think Commander players would appreciate them, but only if they are absolutely playable, marketed correctly, and I, I mean, I, I still think they should release decks. You know what I mean? I think it should be in addition to some decks because right. people have grown accustomed to this being the way that Commander series is released. I don't know that Commander players would appreciate it if they took a year off. No, absolutely. I think that that's something that they, they realized very quickly with this release is that having decks one year and then having that be successful and then not having decks was a huge error on their part and yeah. just a huge oversight in the potential for what Commander could be because it was already moderately popular and it just showed how much people are really craving these sorts of decks and we'll see that in, in later years that they really trying to step up the game and raise the bar every year until 2018 well and especially when you consider that the commander decks are still sort of geared towards new commander players who don't necessarily want to build a hundred card deck from scratch you can't take a year off and expect new commander players to be interested in that because they still look at those 20 cards or 30 cards or whatever, maybe they're a good value, but they still have to build their deck from singles. It's not the same product and it's not at the same marketplace. Right. And the other thing is that they can't print something like Cyclonic Rift in a main commander deck, I yeah. don't think, these days, just because that deck is going to be the popular deck, the one people are buying just No for matter that what. Yeah. It's very similar to how the Markov deck was so popular because of the first printing of Teferi's Protection. Yeah, just having that one card made buying the entire deck so worth it. Yeah, and people were just marking up the price on that just because of that. And that's something that we're going to see if they reprint Cyclonic Rift or any of these other massive staples that we just need another copy of. Now, if they were to reprint something like Cyclonic Rift, I think it would be better to reprint it in a set like the 2012 set in addition to other decks so that you can maybe charge a little more and make it to where that price difference isn't insane but also so that people can still get their regular their regular scheduled yearly products right i think as a supplementary set it has a lot of ground like a one of the from the vault sets or yeah. from the jace spellcaster set or whatever that one was like i think that's the way that they have to do it but i think that they really have to toe the line on this one that they need to have good feedback for what people actually want in these in these supplementary sets because otherwise they're going to get you know, uh, a Ravnica Master Set or whatever the, the Mythic Edition was, where people are, are just trying to get a product that is going to be overhiked on price, and it's just going to be miserable to get, and it's just going to see massive upsale everywhere else. So if this is the first episode that you guys have listened to us, you may be wondering why our, our podcast name is Untap Upkeep Drink, but if you've heard even one other episode, you know that usually we have a rule. It's a beer in hand rule. But today we thought the product wasn't quite worth drinking to. So we did not drink today. Uh, we just went through the set. We gave you some of our opinions on how well it did and what it did poorly. Uh, hopefully this was of good interest to you. Hopefully you guys can at least see what Commander has been doing from the past. Yeah, we're trying to give you insight from a 2019 perspective yeah. looking back rather than just was it good at the time because you really as a business need to be able to look forward on these sorts of products and whether or not it's going to continue to do well if something that you can repeat and if you should repeat and i think that wizards kind of dropped the ball on this product as we've seen and they they did better going forward they right started seeing that they didn't do it again is actually a, a pretty good thing for us commander players yeah you see that they stepped up their game they started printing, you know, these decks that had a very clear focus on what the decks did, how they wanted to interact them, what the themes on them were. And I think that's really helped the commander scene overall. So thanks again for tuning in. If you guys have comments on this set, I'm sure we're going to get a lot of hate comments because it was not looked upon 
in a great light. But, uh, you know, send us your tweets. We're at UUD Podcast. We'd like to hear one way or the other. You know, tell us what you like, what you don't like. And make sure you check out the YouTube video on this one because it's going to show the oversized cards that we didn't go in depth on because they just aren't worth talking about as that product presented them. So even though we weren't drinking today, obviously we don't condone underage drinking. We want you guys to be safe. So if you're going to go hang out and play magic and drink, you know, make sure you got a designated driver or stay the night, do whatever you got to do. Right. Don't be stupid. Stay responsible. Yeah. Don't drink and drive. We want you guys to be safe out there. We want you to have fun. We want you to enjoy the game that we enjoy so much. So go out there and sling some spells. We hope you all have fun, but not too much. Yeah.